This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. Christians in Bangladesh face the greatest pressure in their general community in private life. That is according to our friends at Open Doors. Bangladeshi society has traditionally been open to Christianity. Recently, however, it is growing increasing Islamic, with a government doing more to appease concerns from Muslim extremists. Islamic militants in the country pressure all groups of Christians. Evangelical churches that work among the Muslim majority face the most persecution. But even historical churches are increasingly being faced with localized opposition as they attempt to live out their faith in Jesus Christ. To talk about working with the followers of Jesus in Bangladesh and bringing help and hope to the Rohingya people who were driven into Bangladesh from Myanmar, also known as Burma, is someone we're going to call Robert. And Robert is a Canadian-based global worker and a partner with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. Robert, thank you for joining me on Closer to the Fire. Great to be here, Greg, and I'm looking forward to helping our listeners uh, learn more about the plight of our brothers and sisters in Bangladesh. Yeah, it's very important. I mean, we hear a lot about China and Nigeria and Pakistan, India, and some other places. Not a lot about Bangladesh, so I'm looking forward to finding out how God is working there. But before we get to that, you're a Canadian, you're a foreigner, uh, entering Bangladesh to do humanitarian and Christian work. How difficult is that? Well, traditionally, uh, Bangladesh has been open to visitors. Uh, the government's quite secular and um, loves the uh, massive amount of aid that Canada and other nations bring. So traditionally, it hasn't been that difficult to get in, uh, except if you do what I do and you're coming in multiple times per year, they no longer believe you're a tourist. So uh, we use business visas uh, to, to get into the country. And, and I have uh, now a business connection that's legitimate. So I attempt to do some business in that country, but that's the way you get in. Now, getting in as a humanitarian worker, that makes sense, or doing business, because a country like Bangladesh uh, relies on outside help from Canada and other nations, you know, to keep that country going. But how about the Christian part of it, helping out with the believers in Christ that are suffering? Well, that's something, of course, we do, and uh, we can do that remotely, and we do it on site. I think it's uh, very important to go and sit with these people and and hear their stories. Uh, it's I think it's important to know the demographics. Bangladesh is about the same area as Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin, or if you live in Alberta, as you do, from about Edmonton, south of the U.S. border, or in Ontario, from Sudbury to Windsor. So uh, that's not that much area to have 165 million people. 90% are Muslim, less than 1% officially Christian. So it's uh, legally permitted to be a Christian, but experientially uh, there's all sorts of discrimination that mm -hmm. ranges from uh, not getting that job because you're the wrong religion to uh, being attacked and having your house destroyed. Before we talk about the state of the church, uh, Robert, why did you go to Bangladesh and why do you keep going back? It's not an easy place to work. Well, uh, frankly, I can't say it any other way. Uh, I had some pretty strong signs from the Lord circumstantially and in my heart that uh, he was leading me uh, to go to that country. It was never on my radar um, uh, to go there. I've been in many other countries and in other continents. So this was a new continent. This was a new area of the world. And um, I went there one trip 
and uh, visited some orphanages, saw some of the poorest people in the world, saw the intense crowding, uh, sat and ate with some of my Christian brothers and sisters. And at the end of that, I felt the Lord say in my heart, I, I heard these words, now that you've seen one day what I see every day, what would you like to do about it? So I said, yes, Lord, if I can help, I'll help. Wow, that's that's powerful. And, you know, when the Lord gets a hold of our heart and, yeah. and we get, a, you know, a heart for people that that are struggling. Now, with the ministry of the Voice of the Martyrs, we work with persecuted Christians. Let's talk about the state of the church in Bangladesh. What is it like there for the believers, those that, you know, trying to follow Jesus? Well, it's not mass or statewide sponsored persecution, not at all. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people think when they hear Muslim, they, they immediately have an emotional or visceral reaction of these people attack Christians. Um, my, my whole um, feeling about all of this and understanding has changed by meeting some of the most beautiful people I've ever met who are Muslim, true seekers of God as they know him. Uh, they just need to know the name of Jesus. So uh, there's no government persecution, um, quite the opposite. And there are churches, there is a Bible school. Um, but what we're finding is um, the protection that the church had in generations past due to the excellent work the Catholic Church did. The Roman Catholic Church had a great reputation in Bangladesh because they, they were the first to build schools and bring education when the British were uh, ruling. And so uh, most people, Muslim, Hindu or other, have a, a good um, uh, estimation of, of the Roman Catholic Church. And, uh, but that's all changing now. Uh, school and the new generation is becoming more orthodox, more radical and less favorable to Christians. So it's sporadic, it's localized, but at times intense. You know, I like how you, you know, talk about that too, that, you know, when people hear, you know, about an Islamic country, they immediately go to Al-Qaeda or the Boko Haram right. and, you know, Al-Shabaab or some of these groups. It's not like that in Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. Yet no. there are, of course, as you mentioned, tens of millions of Muslims there. And there has been a radicalization, you know, through the internet. Mm -hmm. How has that affected the situation in Bangladesh when it comes to the opposition to the gospel? Yeah, well, we could do a, a deep dive. We could have a, an hour program on this yeah. alone. But to try to, to summarize it, um, the cultural respect from, from the generation my age and older is, is, is uh, quickly waning. And um, uh, there is a, a sense of competition, um, and some of it's religious, some of it's economic. But the, um, what we're finding is is uh, and it is illegal to convert someone so if they're born i think it, i think we really need to understand that we think of your religion as something you can change and adapt in a belief system and in this in bangladesh and other countries in that region of the world it's part of your generationally uh, stamp of identity yeah that's you know? who and you so, are yeah that's who yeah, you are yeah there's even indications of it on your national identity yeah. card. So um, like your social insurance uh, card. So it's, um, it's a huge deal to change that. You are uh, offending your family. You are denying them and, and other aspects. So the idea of a Muslim becoming a Christian is a huge deal. And we don't even start with that uh, terminology. We, we tell them about Jesus because the Quran mentions Jesus. So we start with 
do you know Jesus and have you heard about him? Yeah. And then you can, you can build off that for, you know, obviously the, the Jesus of the Quran, he said different than the Jesus of the Bible, but it is mm -hmm. a starting point. And mm -hmm. of course, I've, you know, been in many Muslim countries myself, and I've seen how effective that can be. But what is mm -hmm. the role then, Robert, of the government in terms of resisting the advancing the gospel? Because they don't want, you know, millions and millions of Muslims, uh, you know, to come to Jesus. So what is the government's role in that? And how are they, you know, trying to hold back the advancing the gospel? Um, again, I don't live there, but I've been there many, many times and spent many, many hours with the people and been there when there's been some tumult. I would say, uh, frankly, from my observation, it's not the government at all. The government will send out police protection on Christmas Day mm. so that other people do not harm the uh, Christians' uh, celebration of Christmas. Mm. I personally yeah. believe that most of this is politically motivated to keep uh, friends with the West, the U.S. and Canada, who are probably their, their prime economic supporters. We're talking billions of dollars. So it's not the government. And in fact, when some ISIS sympathizers began to rise up in the country about six years ago, uh, young radicals, uh, the government took them out. And that's about all I can say about that, because I don't want to be accused of saying something that's not true. But right. the government stamped it out. And so the government really isn't the, the main issue. It's the, it's the local religious leaders and the fear that people have that you are trying to change their identity. So it's very localized, but it can be powerful community leaders. People like in villages, if they convert, they're no longer allowed access to water. So that's a big deal. If you have to walk to another village where they may not know you to get water. So you're denied access to water. You may lose your job. Um, uh, you can be, um, you can be ostracized. And, um, so especially in the rural areas where people are more religious, less secular, where 80% of the population lives, um, community-based fear and bullying, uh, sometimes uh, uh, exploding into full-on persecution. Yeah, I, you know, and again, every country is different. And, you know, there's different spiritual battles. I mean, we face you know, different kinds of things here in Canada. And you and I've traveled to a lot of places and it's different. The dynamic is, you know, is different in every place that you go. So Robert, when you look at Bangladesh, and again, this is in a general sense, are people there open to the gospel? Yeah, they are. Amen. So many wonderful stories. I have friends, even though we need a translator to communicate. I have friends you know, names like Abdul and Muhammad and Islam, these are their names. And they have learned about uh, Jesus as the Injil Sharifs tell, which is the Gospels in their vernacular. And to see the light go on, because what they have never been taught is, is that they can have an assurance that their sins are forgiven. This is the huge thing. I would say... Um, 99% of the hundreds of followers of Jesus that I've talked to that have come from another cultural or religious background, primarily a Muslim, uh, when I get interviewed them, they say, now I have peace. Because how many times a day should you pray? You missed one of your five prayer times. You didn't give enough alms to the poor. Uh, all of these tenets of the faith or the Hindu faith where all their... Um, 
who can keep track of all the things that they do in that faith. But none of this brings peace. And the second thing is, it is uh, primarily the Christians. And this made not only the news, um, it made the front page of the paper. Some of the things that my friends, we had given them some money for benevolence. And they walked down the street giving out blankets in, the, in a cold snap where the peasants were. I say peasants, I'm with oh, grace with these street people who are mm-hmm. wonderful people but have no, you know, no facility, no clothes, no no place to, to heat, uh, no heated home. Anyways, our group gave them no strings attached, some blankets, some food last January and made the front page of one of the national newspapers because it's not common to give without expecting in return. So the inner peace that comes through through accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, the forgiveness of sins and the, the demonstration of love um, has huge impact and is very welcoming amongst thousands of people that we have ministered to. Yeah, and I think you've even answered my next question because I was going to ask, you know, how are the workers, uh, you know, that are, you know, trying to plant churches and reaching people uh, with mm-hmm. the gospel, how do they do that? It sounds like it's in a very practical way, showing yeah. compassion, showing love, right? Well, they need to be very bold because there can be pushback. Uh, I know many works, I know one martyr. Uh, he was a friend of mine. He's been martyred. Uh, in a, that was Rohingya um, uh, in the camp because uh, it was very dangerous there. But outside the camp, I, I know many people that have you know had to flee their own home for a month and hide out and things like that. But what they do is there's three things. Hearing the story of Jesus alone. I, I know people that just read the book of John or part of it and they say, this is what I want. So there's some people that are just like, lost children just waiting to hear their real home address and they're there and who their real father is. Then there's others who there's answers to prayer. Uh, The workers there, they just take the Bible literally. It's like Acts 4, 28 to 30, when they said, stretch out your hand, Lord, with signs and wonders. That was the original uh, apostles response to persecution. So we teach that there. The first thing to do is pray for more power of God to bless these people. So just the, the story of the gospel, the answers to prayer, and um, uh, these, and, and sometimes direct revelation, dreams, and visions. Uh, we can't really number, but many, many people are coming to the Lord. And those are the means. That's so exciting, Robert, what God is doing. And man, we can learn, you know, from our brothers and sisters, you know, in countries like Bangladesh, where they read the Bible, oh, we're supposed to pray. And, you know, in the Western culture, we can lose that because, oh, we just go to the doctor or, you know, we've got all these things. So again, that's why we need each other. There's things that we can provide that you provide and your team in terms of leadership and discipleship and encouragement, resources, all those kinds of things. So very important. But the most important thing is the reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And and I know as I've traveled and heard many of these kinds of stories, I'm always kind of shaken up in my faith. Do I really believe that God heals and he uses the supernatural? That's not the only thing, because we talk a lot about Muslims having dreams and visions and and other uh, faith groups as well. But God does it, but he also uses us as well. 
Something I know that is also very deep in your heart now is the Rohingya people, uh, all the refugees. We've seen it on the international news. It is a terrible situation. These are people that had to flee from Myanmar, known as Burma as well. They went into Bangladesh. So, Robert, tell me what you're doing there and about the camps, because we see these overcrowded camps and just a lot of chaos. Yeah, I want to uh, give a shout out to my friends in the camp. Um, just quickly, if, if the listeners can imagine this, um, uh, just a, a narrow peninsula of land, a few square miles. On one side is the river, and the other side is the ocean, and so that creates a peninsula. It's a little narrow piece of land. Uh, the Rohingya people from the Rakhine state, who are ethnically, um, racially, they look Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, they look like those people, not like the more, um, you know, a, a Chinese look that you get as you move the other way. And so uh, ethnically, uh, they were hated, and um, their homes in the jungle and their little plots of lands were all burned out. So 700,000 of them were pushed across the river I know. in one year. Now, there was already a camp there, it was dribs and drabs, but 700,000 is the largest migration of a single ethnic group since uh, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Wow. And uh, they came over there. And so, of course, you know, the, the forest is denuded. It's just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of shacks. It's a shantytown ghetto. I've been in the camps. Um, it's difficult to get in. We have ways to get in. We can't say any more about that. Um, it's getting more difficult, but uh, they gave the Hindus their own camp. There was a 1,500 Hindus and there was um, 900,000 Muslims. So they gave the Hindus their own camp. They asked the Christians and they said, no, uh, otherwise, how will anybody hear the name of Jesus? And that is just, that just cracks me up. That, uh, that's lump in the throat moment because yeah. I know 25 of them living in there that are doing like Bible studies in their little shacks in their homes and um, we know of about 2,500 Christians in there, but they have it rough. Uh, there's a criminal element. There's a fanatical element. There's a who cares. It's like, it's like violence in a prison because yeah. we can't get out of here. They don't have citizenship of any country. Myanmar never gave them citizenship. Bangladesh won't give them citizenship. So they don't have a written language. They don't have citizenship. They don't have hope to get out unless they escape. So it's this seething, boiling pot of humanity they've had floods they've had fires and so there 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 is one church property inside the camp which is amazing and we're helping with that but it's so dangerous the pastor and his family have to leave the camp every night and sleep outside the camp they can't even spend overnight um there's been bloodshed outside the walls of the camp and a year ago christmas it's coming up to two years uh the the christian family said we're going to celebrate christmas and they did, and they openly celebrated Christmas in their homes, 27 families. Wow. Three weeks wow. later, each of those homes were attacked violently, destroyed, people were beaten, and in one case, uh, the leader of the whole group, he was uh, martyred, and his daughter was married off at 14 years old to a Muslim man. And um, yeah, uh, that's what these people face. And so I was uh, with their leader recently, and I said, are they still working? And he said, yeah. I said, what about this man that was martyred? And they said, well, he's with the Lord. We'll just keep going. Yeah. 
I asked them, uh, you know, will you turn back? And they didn't even understand the question. It's like we found the truth. Did it stop being the truth? I'll just never forget that moment. They didn't even understand what I was asking them when I said, are you going to leave the Lord or turn back? Wow, that's, man. And, and I know we were praying about that particular situation uh, with that girl. I mean, that is probably the most heartbreaking part of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's hard even to, you know, you and I both have daughters, so we understand oh, and I know and grandchildren now and can't imagine what it would be like. And having this, trouble keeping it together. And I just yeah. sorry to no, go I ahead. just yeah. want anyone who's yeah. listening to understand we are differentiating between radicals and your average person. Some of the most beautiful people that I've met ever call themselves Muslim, but there's a radical element. They're criminal, they're fanatical. And they they use they use that religion as a cover to um, to attack. But unfortunately, the Christians get the worst of it. It's just a fact. They are the most hassled. Yeah, and that's why we need to help them. So, I mean, your work, and again, you know, I know this because of some of the sensitivity, the security issues. Just tell me what you can tell me. But <laughs> okay. I know that you're working, you know, with the persecuted Christians and, and strengthening them and helping them. You're also working with the Rohingya. Uh, are they open to the gospel? And, and I know you're doing work there. So again, we have to be careful on the humanitarian side. We don't want to put you or anybody else at risk. We want this work to continue, but tell me about some of the work that you're doing and then also the openness to the gospel. Well, yeah, okay, so there's there's several things, and yes, I can tell you. Uh, first of all, I can't tell you, are the Rohingya open to the gospel? I just know that when you put the Jesus video in whatever form of media and get it to people like that, they want to see it, and they are fascinated. Whether that leads to them to a follower of Jesus, I don't know the percentages, but I know that many are. Hmm. Uh, so my job is, is if this... Well, it's like I'm 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 driving the supply truck. So what do you need? Here you are living in that place. You can't get everything you need, but you follow Jesus. What do you need? So in one case, uh, Voice of the Martyrs paid for the hospital bills of all those people who were beaten up in the camp. And you did that because I know the people and I know how to get it there. So mm-hmm. through through our work, you did you did a fantastic thing and made sure these people uh who had all sorts of serious injuries. So that's one thing we do. Second, humanitarian work, which is good for its own sake. People need water, need food, need shelter. Uh, but thirdly, equipping the saints is what we call it. Uh, what do you need? I was just on the um, uh, phone this morning uh, buying more Bibles um, and electronic and in print, um, equipping them. And then as often as we can, going over there and they know where to gather and how to gather and how to make it happen. I just show up at wherever they tell me and we bring great encouragement and prayer and preach and bring them reports from Canada and other places and say, we're with you and we, we haven't forgotten you. Yeah. It's so very important. And again, it's when you do providing water, you don't say, well, we'll give you water if you become a Christian. No, that's, you know, again, I think people understand that. No, that's not how we work as the voice of the martyrs. And, you know, mm-hmm. as Voice of the Martyrs partners are listening, that's what you're investing into God's kingdom. So, I mean, it's a difficult situation. God is working. Uh, people are coming to know Jesus. 
there's persecution. We have the refugee situation. So, Robert, you've been there a number of times. You've been in the camps. You've done teaching. These people are your personal friends. And I know that, you know, when you've shared with us, uh, when one of these people is hurt or in the case of even a martyr, you shed tears. We shed tears together mm -hmm. because this is personal for you. So this mm -hmm. has become a big part of your heart. God sets yeah. you up for it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. What are your hopes and dreams and plans <laughs> for the future of yeah. Bangladesh? Well, um, strong church. Uh, it'll always be a, a Muslim majority, and that's fine but a strong church that's allowed to worship and uh, there'll always be a measure of op opposition, but we're looking at um, a church that can reach its own people. I don't do any evangelism in the country. I support the workers there. So my, my goal is to see that. So we are helping these kind of ad hoc Bible colleges. We are, um, teaching ministries how to be self-sufficient. One case where we're, I've got a guy in Canada helping a man uh, develop a website design business so he can support himself and then be, be a minister So uh, to his people. So we're helping the church to stand strong, to support themselves. And if, uh, just give me a sec here. The big thing is, to be able to stand in front of them like I did a few weeks ago and will be doing in a few weeks from now to look at them all and say, you are not forgotten. You are not alone to sit inside that camp with those workers, one who's now with the Lord and say, we know your names. Yes. We know, we know you and we will never forget you. And we're praying for you. I don't think we can understand how powerful that is for people in their situation. Yeah, I've heard that many times. You know, we've traveled to some pretty remote places, South Sudan and very outlying areas. And many of the believers will say, we thought we were forgotten. And uh, when you came from Canada yeah. and you know, we've traveled teams from America and Australia and all over the world, and it just brings them such joy. Yeah. Sometimes just being there. And then we also want to do the practical things. Yeah. Robert, before we go, uh, I'd like to ask you to pray uh, for mm -hmm. the church in Bangladesh and also for sure. the Rohingya people. And uh, yeah. let's just, and if you're listening, you're watching, you can join with us today. The most important thing, and it's it's always asked for, number one is to pray. And then as we pray, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our hearts. And and that's where the, the miracles really start to happen. Yeah. So Robert, will you lead us in prayer? I will, but I'm just going to throw in a little pitch for Voice of the Martyrs. I've been involved with Voice of the Martyrs in different capacities for a long time. You know that, Greg. And the cause is impeccable. The stewardship of finances is always so good, so careful. And the, uh, you bring, we bring uh, the greatest benefit to the church because we can't fix everything. In the, in the Western world, we're always trying to fix problems. What they want is not to be fixed or to be pitied. They want us to stand shoulder to shoulder and know that we're, we're in this together. And so that's, uh, that's uh, the greatest thing. And Voice of the Martyrs does this better than any organization I know of. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the nation of Bangladesh. I want to thank you for all the faces and names that are in my mind right now as we are praying. Uh, I think of Abdul, the 70-year-old the philosopher who read the Gospels of 
John and the first time and said, I have looked at every religion since I've been a boy and this is what I want. We think of those who are really your children, but just don't know the name of Jesus or understand who he is. We pray that there would be not one who fails to hear this life-saving message. And I pray for all those, especially the ones in the camp right now, as, as they've surrounded it with barbed wire and it's more difficult to be in touch with these people. I pray, Lord, for dreams and visions. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for connections and ways and means. There's no such thing as a closed door for you, Lord. And we pray that you would raise up your 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 national leaders, your regional leaders that have strength like the apostles did and, and have uh, integrity. So raise up your leaders to lead your church and build your church in this nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Robert, thank you so much and uh, appreciate what you said about the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, that's one of the reasons I joined the ministry because of the yeah. integrity and working with people like yourself and, and the amazing partners that we have around the world that also have the same integrity. I know that you carry a lot. You carry Bangladesh in your heart and other parts of the world as well. And uh, so appreciate, love you, and uh, we'll continue to be praying. And uh, yeah, I would just ask as well, people that are you know watching or listening, that if you'd like to get more information about Bangladesh, you can go to the Voice of the Martyrs website. I will put a link there. You can find out more about the country, how you can pray. It's such an important thing. And also about the Voice of the Martyrs Canada and our work in Bangladesh and around the world, you can go to vomcanada.com and be praying. That's the most important thing that we can do. Again, Robert, thank you so much. Yeah, wonderful. Bless you. Bless you too. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.